Okay, so there's this story in the Bible that's rather uncomfortable. A woman comes to Jesus to ask for her daughter's healing, and he just flat out says no. And then maybe even the process refers to her as a dog. Today, Pastor Lori and Stan are going to have a conversation about that story and the power of persistence. Welcome. We've come to the end of uh, our sermon series called Do You See Her? And this uh, time we're going to have a message from Pastor Lori. And just hope that this series has encouraged you to uh, really uh, maybe shed some uh, prejudices or preconceived things. But even if it hasn't, uh, I pray that you will not run away from examining it in the future. Uh, there is nothing wrong with not doing something well. What's wrong is to ignore it. Just pray that uh, we can uh, be more sensitive to one another and uh, realize that we're facing a mountain together and that mountain may be big and uh, when we face it together we can take the steps toward ascending it. So with that, uh, I know Pastor Lori has some opening comments, so I'll just turn it over to her. Thank you, Stan. I appreciate your, your opening words. Um, yeah, today we're going to talk about persistence. And I wanted to start with a quote by um, Molly Murphy McGregor, who's the co-founder of the National Women's History Project. And she said, um, Nevertheless, she persisted is really about every woman who really had to use her tenacity and courage to accomplish whatever she set out to accomplish. It's universal. And you think about our mothers and grandmothers, they have been persisting for a very long time. Nevertheless, she persisted is the story of the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. So Stan, can you please read the passage? Sure. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But she did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is, this is so uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable passage. But, you know, like right before they had this conversation in chapter 14, um, Jesus finds out that John the Baptist is beheaded for doing the right thing, right? And John was his mentor. And he would pattern like his 
his sermons after John and, and, you know, he's baptized by John. And so this really was a very um, difficult time for Jesus. And he, and he wanted to be alone. He withdrew to, to be alone. And, and the word um, withdrew in the Greek means like to escape danger, um, to avoid conflict out of fear. And so Jesus, there's a real fear. And so I know like we've talked about how Jesus struggled to do God's will at the Garden of Gethsemane. Like, I think this is another moment when Jesus is struggling to do God's will. And so he wants to withdraw and be alone, but the crowd follows him. And there's that famous story of, you know, Jesus healing people and him feeding the 5,000. And then there's a conversation that we had about, you know, Jesus being, sending the disciples on the boat and him wanting to be alone and, and Jesus walking on water and meeting them. And then when they get to the other side, there's another crowd of people who, you know, find him, they seek him out and they find him and he heals more people. And, and even the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they like travel to find Jesus and they question him. And so Jesus has to talk to them about their hypocrisy and their abuse of power. And so he has all of this on his plate and he just wants to like be alone. And so he goes to this place where Gentiles live thinking, okay, they're not going to follow me here because of the purity laws and the Pharisees aren't going to come here. And, and so this is just kind of where we, we, we are. Do you think it's uh, an example of the humanness of Jesus? Because, uh, you know, Jesus was fully divine and fully human. But sometimes uh, we forget being human also includes feeling. Uh, mm -hmm. And I like what you said about that uh, he was tired. He uh, was facing fear. And uh, I think it's really great the way that Jesus handled his feelings in interacting with the Canaanite woman. So uh, what do you think about his encounter with the Canaanite woman? <laughs> okay, honestly, I think that she just caught him on a bad day. You know, like he's struggling and here she comes like walking towards him, yelling out in public. And, you know, the Canaanites and Israel have been enemies since the time of Joshua and the promised land. Plus she's a woman. And it's like, I totally understand why he wouldn't want to say anything because he's already in fear and feeling like, oh, he doesn't want to give people another reason to, you know, condemn him or to get in trouble. And so he doesn't say anything. And so she shouts, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And, and so that she's addressing him with, you know, reverence and respect, you really understands who Jesus is more than maybe the disciples or more than the religious leaders. She knows what she wants. And so she's really seeking the Lord for help. I think it's also something about that she knew the heart of Jesus was not mm -hmm. just that initial response. And, and maybe that's something that we have to keep in mind that maybe we don't really understand God's initial response or yeah. so what do you, what, what did you think of the woman's response? Now, yeah, I love what you just said that, yeah, she's not believing this is the true heart of, of Jesus. And, and, and it's interesting that, yeah, the disciples, they don't, they don't, they're like, they come over and they beg Jesus, like, send her away. But yeah, when Jesus breaks the silence and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's kind of hard to hear because that's not how we normally think of Jesus speaking. Like we think of him speaking to the Pharisees like that. But I, I love what she says that instead of walking away, 
or yelling louder or arguing. She says, yes, Lord, right? And she still acknowledges who he is. And But she says, yet even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And she knows who Jesus is, that there, there's more than enough love and compassion and blessing. That she recognizes, yeah, that some of that blessing that is for the children of Israel can fall and, and that they can reap the benefits and the blessing as well. And that just shows like who, how she really understood and knew who Jesus was. So I think it's crazy that Jesus is like, oh, woman, great is your faith. Like the word, oh, really, it generates like this deep emotion. Like it's, it talks about when, when it's used in the Bible, it talks about this deep emotion that comes from what has had, what has happened. So Jesus is like moved by her. He has this aha moment by this experience that he has with with her and refocused, he's re-energized, and he's recalibrated in a sense. And when he talked with the religious leaders, he talked about the importance of seeing a person's heart. And he's kind of listening to his own sermon or his own teaching, and he sees her heart. And he's like, yeah, okay, you know, if this happens, um, God's family can be expanded beyond Israel and include all generations. The Canaanites in, in Israel, they don't have to be enemies. Like there can be healing and reconciliation and forgiveness for all of humanity. And, and especially like when I think about this woman and her daughter, like she, I mean, I can just imagine the burden that is lifted from her and just the freedom they're going to experience in this new life that they're going to have to engage in, 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 in their culture and their community and, in, and economically and relationally in a way that they haven't before or, you know, that, that we know of. And so I just think, yeah, that this is all the elements of how we experience heaven together. And it's just exciting because I think if someone were to say, oh, a woman helped Jesus kind of refocus and strengthened and helped him to see, they would be like, that's inconceivable. I, I, I appreciate what you said about um, maybe it was an aha moment for Jesus. And I think sometimes when we're sharing all of our struggles and, and really pleading with God, uh, we can get this idea of him being uh, not empathetic or not really uh, feeling like or feeling like I know all of this you don't have to tell me kind of thing but I think this really shows that as she journeyed through it he journeyed through it and that your what you mentioned about the O being uh, a recognition on an emotional level I think uh, that's what happened in that inter interaction that uh, before that, everybody was interacting on this intellectual, well, this needs to be, this is not the way it's supposed to be, and, and all of this. But, but Jesus, um, I think, allowed her to really say, this is who I actually am, and this is my heart, and appreciate it in a way that uh, really helped her to, to know that uh, it's kind of like the the miracle of the five loaves and, and two fish, mm -hmm. that something that is so little became something that fed so much. And so even the imagery of the crumbs that mm -hmm. she knew, well, all I need is a crumb and it's going to feed. It's, it's, I, I believe you could, you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Right. She, her, her, uh, 
she wasn't asking for the big thing of her daughter being healed, but when she just asked for the crumb, that's what happened. And I think that shows God wins. And well, for me, one of the messages here is we need to stay with the little things, the little victories and hold on to those. And yeah, it's not the complete thing, but, but God will bring about the complete thing mm-hmm. uh, as we take steps with him. So. I really appreciate what you said about, well, you always encourage me. And I think that um, to persist and keep going. And I know as we've served together for the past, I don't know, five years, how like when there are times um, when I feel tired and discouraged that you um, just encourage me to be me. And not just in the things that I do or like, you know, persist in this specific situation, but you're like in the big picture and outside of what I do, knowing that my value doesn't come from what I do, but just encouraging me to be me and to not, um, you know, because I want to diminish. I want to be like Jesus and I want to withdraw and just hide out of fear and just being tired of, you know, because it does feel like when when you're sharing your thoughts and your uh, perspective and, you know, it gets dismissed and it gets um, like, yeah, just totally missed altogether. Um, You, I start to believe that, oh, maybe what I have to offer isn't valuable or what I have to, who I am isn't worthy at being at the table. And I appreciate how you always encourage me to, and remind me that, no, you know, you just need to just be you and, and, um, and, and put your voice out there. Like the way you and like my family and the women at Westlight have encouraged me, like it's, it's not easy, but like you said, we need to do this together and we need to encourage one another to, it's not going to happen overnight. But we need to celebrate the little movements and to see how we are moving towards the heart of God. And I think that's how it's what's going to keep us encouraged and keep going and, and persisting because God's heart wins. I hope that we can continue this conversation. And um, I want to finish this sermon series from words from the Song of Solomon, which I think really reflects um, God's heart for all of us. And these words were shared as an encouragement um, to me um, when I was feeling um, kind of discouraged and wanting to withdraw. But um, so I want to pass them on to the women at Westlake. All right. So he says that you are my beloved that my banner over you is love. He says, let me see your face and let me hear your voice. Because you are altogether beautiful and there is no flaw in you. You have captivated my heart. Amen. Amen. Hope the women and uh, maybe even the men see that uh, they represent jewels to God. Mm-hmm. And a jewel doesn't have to do anything. It just has to be. Uh, and so uh, thanks, Laurie, for that reminder. And uh, those are great words. It, it would be good to declare them over yourself every day. Nice. Thanks, Laurie. Thank you, Stan. <laughs>